0: Thank you for downloading this sermon. We hope you've been blessed by this ministry. If you'd like to give back, please invest in the future of Clearnote Church through our capital campaign, Faithful Through All Generations. To make a donation, visit clearnotebloomington.com slash give. Good morning to you all. It's a real joy to be here with you. I bring you greetings from the saints in Moscow. And I really can speak for both churches, given my standing at the moment. Uh, we all greet you and uh, are very grateful uh, for uh, the fellowship that we share in Jesus um, My wife and I really did have a delightful time a year ago when we came out here, stayed with the Killingsworths and just sat under the teaching of of your pastor, Tim Bailey and uh, Max and others and it was um, very refreshing for us and um, it's just one of those wonderful opportunities where you go across the country, you go somewhere and, and there are things that are strikingly different and at the same time, you found family and that's what it's been like for us, and so it was such a wonderful, refreshing time. We were honestly trying to figure out a way to just come back and do it again, and then uh, Jake Menzel called and said, we'd like to try to have you out, and so then we knew we had to, so, so here we are. Um, so uh, thank you very much to the pastors and leadership here, and it's a real, uh, real delight to be here with you. Uh, the sermon text is from Luke chapter five, If you have a Bible and want to turn there with me, you can. I believe the text is also up on the screen for you to follow along. I'm going to read Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. Please give your attention to God's word. On one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, this is Jesus, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats by the lake but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Let's pray. God, our Father, we praise you and we thank you that you sent your Son Jesus, into this world to interrupt everything. We thank you that in your kindness and your mercy, you have imposed upon us. We thank you that by his death and resurrection and ascension, you have changed everything. Father, we thank you for the gift of his spirit that has been poured out on this world, Father, we pray that that same spirit would be poured out upon us now, that you would interrupt our lives, that you would impose upon our lives by the power of your spirit and by the power of your word. and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. What is friendship? What is friendship? What does it mean when you say, so-and-so is my friend? Or someone asks you, is, is so-and-so your friend? What do you think when someone asks you, you know, is, is, is Susan your friend? Is Joe your friend? Is Bob your friend? What do you think? I mean, it really, you know, somebody asks you that, and it can kind of mean anything these days, right? Anything. Um, it can mean anything, like, you know, As little as, yeah, I think I met them at a party one time. Yeah, 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 we're friends. You barely know them, kind of friends. Uh, Or they could be dear, dear intimate friends. Or maybe these days, you know, it's a question, well, am I friends with them on Facebook? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're friends. Yeah, 30 mutual friends too. So it must be pretty decent friends. I don't know who they are, but... (laughs) Yeah, as I was as I was getting ready for this, these these talks over the last couple of months, I noticed actually that, you know every once in a while you know you get the 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 um, what do you call them uh, the, you know the notification that's the word thank you Jody the notification oh oh someone wants to be your friend and you know you go in there and all right you look like a real person and click well, I guess I'll be fr- that's my bar <laughs> that's right you're real you're not a Russian bot okay um. And, no offense, really, some of you are really dear friends. <laughs> some of you. And, um, but I noticed as I've been going through this, actually, over the last number of weeks, that the, the, sometimes they say, people you might know. Have you seen that? Where it says, people you might know. And, and I keep getting this guy named Tim Bailey. <laughs> people you might know. And I just keep scrolling right by it. <laughs> So the question is, Is am I really friends with Tim Bailey if I'm not friends with him on Facebook? Tim actually told me, he, he heard the sermon earlier and, and told me on the break that uh, he actually has the same thing with me. <laughs> so I don't know what that means. <laughs> so what is friendship really? What does it mean to be friends? Uh, this text, Luke five, I think is one of uh, one of the places that we might go in the Bible in Scripture to ask that question. We say frequently that you know Jesus is our friend. We sing, Jesus, what a friend for sinners! Right? What does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is our friend and then secondarily, what does it mean that he calls us to be friends? What does that mean? So let's look at the text together. Luke five opens up uh, very sort of casually and understated. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, Jesus standing by the lake of Gennesaret, he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and they're washing their nets and he got into one of the boats. It's all very casual and there Jesus is doing what he does he's preaching and he's teaching and there's a big crowd and so he sees a couple of random boats apparently and thinks ah I could stand up in one of them they could all see me a little better I could sit down there I could be heard well and then then Luke drops this this sort of salacious detail into the midst of it at one of the boats which was Simon's Oh wait a second now, we, have, we have this problem, if, you, if you've been in the church very long at all, if you grew up in the church, we have this problem where we get, we get Bible brains, and I don't mean that really in a good way. Bible brains in the sense of Bible eyes, and we, we sort of glaze over at details. You're reading through the Bible, and you just sort of like, you know, there's just Bible stuff happening, right? The Bible thing is happening, and you're just kind of reading it, and there's characters showing up. There's David and, you know, Isaiah, and there's, there's Simon, you know, that, you know, he's in there. Bible stuff is happening, and we have to slow down. We have to ask God to give us eyes to see every time, and ears to hear, and soft hearts that are, that are going to be sensitive to the details in the text. And so you've got this really casual setup. It's really suspicious. Luke is pulling something right? Jesus is preaching. It's kind of casual. He's doing what he's doing. He says, oh, there's a couple of boats. I think I'm going to get in one of those. One of them happened to be Simon's. Wait a second. What's going on here? Now, remember, this is early in the gospel. Early in the gospel, Jesus and Simon have just recently met, right? They've just recently met. We know from John's Gospel that Andrew actually was one of the disciples, Andrew is Simon's brother, right? Andrew was there at the baptism of Jesus. He saw John say, this is the Lamb of God, and so Andrew went and got his brother Simon and said, I think we found the Messiah, let's go follow him. So we know that Simon started following Jesus early on, but it hasn't been that long. It's not been that long. And then we see just prior to this, at the end of chapter four, in verse 38, Jesus goes to Simon's house. And he heals Simon's mother-in-law who had that high fever. So we know that Jesus and Simon are getting to know one another, which kind of still makes this sort of all the more odd. Why not just say he saw Simon's boat or he asked Simon, "Could I?" Get? he doesn't do any of those things. He sees a boat and gets into it, and it, then Luke says, and it happens to be Simon's, and then he asks him to put him out a little, wa- a little ways from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, you know, think about this a little bit. Again, these guys, we were told, they've come in from fishing, and they're washing their nets. They're finished for the day. They're done working. They're cleaning the nets they're tired, <laughs> right? Um, they're tired. You know, think about it, you know, at the end of the day, how do you feel at the end of the day? Just get there for a second, right? <sighs> you want to sit down, right? Apply this, you know, it's a different vocations, right, the things that you do at the end of the day, you're finishing up, you put away all the tools, you clean all the paintbrushes, you, you clean the kitchen, you put everything down, you put everything away, you're done. And, you know, and this is, these are fishermen that have been fishing all night. I, I think that, you, know, you think about how you feel at the end of a long day, I kind of think, how many of you have worked nights before? Okay, can I get a witness? Right? I mean, it's, it's, I think there's a little extra, like you're tired, but you're really tired after all night long. The first sermon I ever preached, I had been working nights in a bakery for a summer. I went in, I started work at midnight and I finished around 7.30 or 8 a.m. And so the first sermon I gave, which is I think about 15 years ago, um, I was, after, you know, I was in the middle of doing night shifts and I go and we drive several hours up to this little church plant in the middle of nowhere and I gave the sermon and, and afterwards my wife said, I don't know if you're called to this. Because <laughs> she's a good woman. Right? But you know, when you're tired, when you're supposed to be, you know, it's, it's upside down and backwards and inverted and your body is just fighting you. You know, if you've ever you know, flown overseas, you kind of know about this, right? When it's like it's supposed to be daytime and it's nighttime and it just feels awful. And they've been fishing all night. They're, they're cleaning up their nets and the rabbi shows up and he's preaching. Oh, great. And then he, he gets an idea I'm gonna get in your boat. Simon, come here. I need you to let me out. Put me out a little way so they can see me in here. You just imagine Simon, all right. I got it guys, you know. (sighs) Deep breath, all right, all right. Is that far enough? Okay, good, you know. He teaches, he preaches, he finishes, and then he has the audacity to say, let's go fishing. (laughs) Come on guys. Let's go, you know, and, but, but it's, not just, it's not just that they're tired. It, it, it's not just that they, it, it, but they had a bad night. It didn't go well, and so you think not only are they tired, so they're fighting the tiredness, you know, the temptation of just, uh. But they're also fighting, you know, pride. <laughs> Who do you think you are? We went fishing all night. They're not biting. And they've just finished washing the nets. You know, we're done. We cleaned up. You've cleaned up the kitchen, and somebody comes in and says, Let's make lasagna. <laughs> right? We're done, we we finished and it didn't go well. So you can hear that in his voice, master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But you hear him, but at your word, we'll do it. They haul the nets back into the boats how many deep breaths was he, do- you know, okay. okay. So they go out, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, a huge crowd of fish. And their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came, and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Okay, Um, so this is a little bit of you know it's gone it's gone to crisis mode, right? So these are experienced fishermen and their nets are breaking, the boats are going down. Now, now, the crazy thing about this scene is that there you think, you know, the, the action is rising, this is how you tell a story, right? The action is rising, the, it, it's, the climax is coming, the nets are breaking, the fish are coming, they've got another boat coming in, the boats are sinking, and then the camera moves. And it says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And if you're paying attention, you have to say, but what about the boats? What about the nets? You know that nothing that Jesus does is an accident. Nothing he does is an accident. Nothing is an afterthought. It's all intentional. He's the Lord. And this scene is no different than any of the others. And Simon knows that. And so, at this moment, Simon realizes what's going on. (laughs) He suddenly realizes that this whole thing had nothing to do about boats. It had nothing to do with nets, and it has nothing to do with the fish. It has everything to do with the fact that Jesus had come looking for him. And Simon gets it. Simon says, this is about me, isn't it? It's about me. And he recognizes that he's been caught. He falls down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He's been caught. That's a really weird thing, right, to say that. That's not the kind of thing you say to your fishing buddy when you say, wow, good catch. Wow, what bait are you using? Right? No, I'm a sinful man. Right? He says, you know everything. You've, you've seen it all. You know all of my, my filthy thoughts. You know what I've said in secret. You know what I've said to my wife and kids. You know everything I've looked at. You know what I've, you know it all. That's what he's saying. He's saying that's what this is all about. (laughs) It wasn't about the boats. It wasn't about the nets. It wasn't about the fish. It was about me. And I know you know everything. This is the kind of thing that people say when they come into the presence of the living God. I think of Isaiah in the, in the year you, the King Uzziah died, Isaiah 6. I saw the Lord high and lifted up, right? And the angels are there shouting, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And Isaiah immediately knows. He is unclean. When you come into the presence of the living God, that's what you know. You know that he knows everything. There is nothing hidden from his sight. You know, but we're sinners and sinners are stupid. Right, we're all like Adam and Eve. (laughs) What were Adam and Eve doing? The universe has been created. Quick, grab some fig leaves. Right. <laughs> you can't hide from God. And yet we do it every day. Don't you? Every every thought. He sees. And we pretend he doesn't. He we pretend he doesn't hear. He knows what you're looking at on your phone. He sees it. He's watching. He knows what you've said to your children, what you've said to your wife, what you've said to your husband, what you've said to your mother-in-law. He knows. He knows what you thought. Right? Everything is apparent to him. Nothing is hidden from him. And God in his mercy and in his kindness sometimes gives us the realization of that. It's always true. It's always true, but sometimes in his mercy, he opens her eyes and he pulls back the curtain and says, I'm right here, and I know it all, I see it all, completely. And so there in this this scene where this this massive load of fish coming in and nets are breaking and the, the ships are capsizing, Simon knows that what's more terrifying than all of that is the fact that The living God is standing right in front of him and knows everything. Do you know that feeling? Do you know that sense? Do you? Right? I know. You grow up in a Christian community, you go to a Christian school, you homeschool and all these things and you learn to say these things. I did too. Right? But do you know this? Do you know this? Do you know the living God knows you and knows it all? And have you been struck down by his holiness? He says what we all say when we know that, get away from me. <laughs> Stop it, go, get away. Right? Sometimes it's not so dramatic. We have various you know, ways of doing this in more polite ways right? A pastor or a friend says, you know, I'd really like to talk to you about something. And, and then you quickly, you're like, uh, yeah, I had a question for you too. Um, you know, infralapsarian or superlapsarian? It's just really been eating at me. I haven't been able to sleep at night. You know, baptism, you know, that's a real contentious thing. We should probably argue about that for a while, you know, right? Because, you know, we have, we have respectable ways of holding people at arm's length right? Uh, Let's talk about, uh, you know, uh, disposable diapers or not, right? Formula, you know, I don't know, right? You women have ways of doing this too. Let's talk about something else, right? Get away from me. That's what we're saying. Get away from me. Depart from me. Get away from me. No, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about it. But we have to. We have to. He knows it. The Lord knows. And he's the only one who can take care of it. He's the only one who can take care of it. You know that ache. That thing you keep pushing out. Pushing away the thing you don't want to deal with. No, not that. Please, Lord, not that. But He knows, and He wants to take it away. He wants to heal you. You notice at the center of this story, I, I read this, you know, again, one of these Bible brain things. You read through the story over and over again, and, and it's easy to miss, but right there at the center of the story, right there at the center of this episode, Luke suddenly does something really subtly and it's easy to miss. He's telling us the story of Simon, 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 and then right there, right at the center of the story, Simon Peter. You see that? You know, the other gospels have these scenes, you know? In the other gospels, there's a scene where Jesus says, Simon, your name will be Peter. Um, and and he, he does this and in, 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 uh, apparently did it a number of different times. Maybe this is the sort of thing where, you know, Jesus just kept on saying, no, Simon, you're Peter. And he does it at the beginning, actually, in John 1, when, he, when, he, when Simon and Andrew show up, he says, Simon, your name will be Peter. And, and then, and then in, in one of the other gospels, in, in, well, actually in, in Matthew, when he makes that profession of faith, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, he says, yes, and you are Peter. And on this, I will build my church. But in Luke, it's different. This is the naming scene in Luke. And you wonder, you know, I, I kind of suspect that Peter told the story. I kind of suspect that Peter was the one who told this story, and he told this story, and he said, that's when I knew it. That's when I was Peter. That's when I became Peter. That's when I knew who Jesus was. That's when he changed my life. And Luke just very subtly tells us that. Simon Peter saw it. He saw, he knew who Jesus was. So he gets a new name. Simon gets a new name there in the presence of God, having humbled himself, having recognized who he is, he's given a new name. And then Jesus gives him a new job. He gives him a new vocation. He says, do not be afraid. That's the assurance of pardon, right? Only Jesus can do that. In other parts of the Gospels, right, the the Jewish leaders are gonna be completely miffed because Jesus goes around forgiving sins. Who do you think you are? He's God. He's the holy God that Simon Peter has sinned against. And so you too must hear those words. Do not be afraid. Have you felt the terror in your heart of knowing your sin? before a holy God, and have you felt and known his declaration? I know it all. Do not be afraid. And he does that, and he gives him a new job. Now, from now on, you will be catching men. Literally in the Greek, there's a little play on words there, and he says, you will catch men alive. Think about how that kind of inverts the image of fishing. Right, we catch live fish and haul them in to kill them. But what Jesus has in mind is hauling dead men in so that they might live. Isn't that cool? And that's just what happened to Peter, right? That's what happened to Simon right there. He just got hauled in. Alive. And then when they brought their boats to land, you know everything's changed. Everything's different, because they left everything and followed him. I said this is a story of friendship. (laughs) You might be wondering, wait a second, what? Yeah, it's a story of how Jesus insists upon being our friend. But, you know, notice how Jesus befriends Simon. Right, you know, he doesn't come to him and sit him down and say, Simon, put his hand on his shoulder and say, Simon, I've got a plan for you we're gonna take over the world, right? Now, could he have done that? Sure, that's the plan, right? That is the plan. He's gonna send them into the whole world, disciple the nations until every knee bows and every tongue confesses. That's the plan, but he doesn't do that. What does he say? Simon, I need to borrow your boat, (laughs) right? There's a, I don't remember who said it, some comedian said, everybody wants to save the world, but no one wants to help mom do the dishes. Right? I mean, everybody wants to be a hero. Everybody wants to be great, especially boys, right? And all of us men are just old boys, right? Everybody wants to be a hero. I mean, you, just, you, know, you get a little boy in diapers and he already wants to save the world. Right, fighting bad guys, right? that's saving the world. That's it's in our bones is what we're made for and, and it is what we're made for. But, but Jesus knows that we'll never, we'll never be in any, any use to him with the great things if we don't first learn the little things. You won't be able to save the world unless you know how to do the dishes. You will be a lousy leader if you don't understand how to serve. And so often we then miss God's invitations to greatness. Because you have something else in mind, don't you? You're thinking, then I'll get the promotion and then I'll be the vice president and then I'll make that amount of money and I'll have that house and I will do great things for the kingdom right right. and I I, I will I, I know I will be ready and you know the president will drive by and I will share the gospel with him and then he'll get saved and then something great and I'll be that guy we have these imaginary these scenes in our minds you know where we think and then that will happen and then that will be that yeah that's it And Jesus so often comes and says, I need to use your boat. He comes and he imposes on us in ways that we don't understand. You say, but Jesus, I was praying about really, you know, important kingdom things. Really important kingdom things. And then you sent my mother-in-law to live with me. I was going to be great. Right? Uh, we, 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 we had plans for this week and we were going to invite the neighbors over and we were going to share the gospel. I mean, really, I mean, we were going to kind of get there eventually, but we were going to kind of eventually share the gospel with them and it was going to be great. And then we all got the flu. And Jesus is asking if he can use your boat. Want to be great? Okay, let's see it. Say, Lord, I would have a lot more energy and I would be a great wife. But these kids, they wear me out and they drive me crazy. And Jesus says, I am training you to be a wonderful wife. Are you willing for Jesus to impose on you like that? Are you willing for him to impose on you, to interrupt your plans? Are you open to that? That's what this story is about. Jesus is that kind of friend. <laughs> He comes, you see, this is good news, though, because he comes, you know, so often we become Christians and we think, you know, now that I'm a Christian, God will bless me in the plans that I have. Now, you know, before, I wasn't a Christian, I wasn't walking with God, and so God couldn't bless my plans and my aspirations and my goals, but now that I'm a Christian, I'm under his blessing, and he can bless me in my plans, And that's not what it means to be a Christian, right? Jesus didn't come into your life in order to give you kudos on your plans. He comes into your life in order to commandeer it. He's the master, he's the captain. He comes to interrupt and that's good news. You need, to, you need to hear that, you need to feel that, that's good news. Since when were your ideas that great? Seriously, right? Since when were our ideas great? Who are we? We have no idea what we're doing. We got here like 15 minutes ago basically, right? We know what we're doing? We have no idea what we're doing. It's such good news that Jesus comes and interrupts and imposes and commandeers our lives. Will you have him do that? Not only does he do that though, that he then calls us to be those kind of friends. Now you go do what I just did, did to you, Simon. Go ask for someone's boat. Be impetuous. Be that guy, impose, right? That's what what friendship is. That's what real Christian friendship is. It's interrupting and imposing for others good. It's because you love them and you love Jesus so much and you know what Jesus has done for you and you want that for others. And so you you know that that means interruption. If Jesus had not interrupted your life, where would you be? You are called to be this kind of friend to impose, to interrupt. Pastor Max, in the pastor's conference this week, said, "Meddle. Metal. Holy meddling. There's a way of doing it in a fleshly way. There's a sinful meddling. But there's a holy meddling. There's a holy imposition that risks being seen as rude. Risks being seen as awkward or prideful. All the things that Jesus does in that story. Brother, I saw what you were doing with your kids. Have Have you thought about this? Sister, I, I noticed the way that you spoke to your husband a minute ago. Do you, is everything okay? One of the most wonderful things that my dad did for me when I was growing up was, my dad's a pastor. I'm a pastor's kid. And one of the, one of the kindest things he ever did was he took me around with him whenever he did evangelism. My dad is, uh, it turns out, a really strange uh, cat in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. I didn't know this, but apparently Orthodox Presbyterians don't evangelize. But my dad does. And when I was a little boy, he would take me around and we would go, we were that guy, and we would go to parks and he'd have a handful, he'd have a Bible and a handful of tracts and he'd, carry, he'd walk me with him. And we were, that, we were that guy. And we'd walk up to people sitting there on a beautiful sunny day with a picnic basket and the kids are doing stuff and we would walk up to them and say, my dad would say, hi, my name's Mark Sumter and I, can I talk to you about the Lord Jesus Christ? He was that guy. And you think, you know, dad, these people are nice people. And, you know, they have families. And they're just trying to have a nice Saturday afternoon. And my dad was the man who walked up and interrupted their nice Saturday afternoons because he loved Jesus. And he loved what the gospel could do for them. And he knew it was more important. we knock on doors you know hi my name is Mark Sumter can I spend a few time a few minutes with you telling you about the Lord Jesus you know and you know you see the looks on their faces you know I mean I'm watching something right now and you know I mean it's sat you know what and and I felt it I felt it You know, I don't know. I mean, I I trust the Lord used my dad, but I don't really know. I mean, there's not like, you know, hundreds of people that I know of that came to the Lord through my dad. I don't know. But you know what I do know? Is that the Lord used that to interrupt me. You You know what my dad did for years when he took me around like that? He was carrying me through all that awkwardness and all that strangeness. I, you know, I was a little boy. I wanted to play trucks or something. And my dad said, come on, let's go. Let's get in my boat. Do you see that? My dad caught me through that. What kind of friend are you? What kind of friend will you be to your children? You're not all called to be like my dad, I know but you are called to love the Lord Jesus with all that you are and to love the Lord in front of everyone you're around. And that's more important than everything. And that means you need to be that guy, be that girl, be that woman, be that child. All right? Be that guy. That reminds me of Jesus. Why, why did you say that about that woman? She's not even here to defend herself. We don't talk that way. Oh, that's a lie. <laughs> we should tell the truth. Why are you looking at those pictures? Will you be that friend? Because the Lord Jesus is that kind of friend to us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray.